Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst joins us now. And he joins us on the Smart Rain Guest Line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Tim, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? I'm splendid, man. How are you? Good. How's your How's your sidekick? Who the hell would that be? Jake or Yock? I don't know. Have You're an the answer. boss. When <laughs> I re- when I say boss, that's when you come in. I'm here. I'm well. Until then, you you stay quiet. Okay. How's the boss? Who would that be? Who? <laughs> <laughs> We's all fine. Good. So before we get to the jazz, Tim LaCombe, once upon a time, you worked at the University of Utah. And then once upon a later time, you worked at BYU. And we have both you and Cougar questions for you this morning. But first, the Cougar question. Oregon, Kalani's name is in a, uh, on a fairly uh, short list of contenders. There is serious interest, real interest there, not just some, hey, let's put 30 names on a list. and You, you can narrow it down. If you're a Cougar fan, and I know you are, how worried should Cougar fan be? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, I don't know the worry's the right word. I think... Uh, concerned? Concerned, yeah. Worry's a little more... That's kind of what PK does. He worries. You and I, we, we have concern. Um, no, I think it's real. I think, you know, in Oregon's a place that, for a lot of different reasons, the majority of them, the color green, um, uniform and green backs, I think are the, the main reason. But, no, I, I think in, in what Kalani does and the the – guys he can recruit and everything else would be really enticing um you know i think you couple that with what you know i heard a little clip of tom homo yesterday talking about kalani being their coach and you know them making sure that uh, they're out in front of things so it'll be interesting for sure um but the one thing i can tell you knowing the situation pretty closely is a uh, Kalani loves BYU. You know, he loves being there. He he really does kind of see himself as a guy who you know brought up through by Lavelle and and kind of carrying the torch. So it, it would have to be really really good, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons for for Kalani to go. But um, I certainly has I should have everybody's attention because I think it, like you said, it's not just I think it's real, right? I think he's one of a couple of names that really makes sense. Yeah, I think that absolutely it does. I think there's there's multiple reasons why he would consider and then take the job. I don't know if he'll get offered it, but just for the sake of argument, and it would be that, uh, you know, they just fund the program better. They fund the assistants better. And here it's at, at, at BYU, it's, it's almost like assumed, well, an assistant gets a higher-paying job offer, he's gone. And we don't even bat an eyelash. And that, that's not the case in other places. 
and the the program, the the staff, which includes on the field coaches and other guys in other administrative positions that they're concerned about the program being funded adequately enough to compete at the level that they're going to compete in in the Big 12. So what level of confidence do you have in BYU uh, wanting to compete at the level that they need to compete at financially once they go to the Big 12? Because it's going to be a difficult transition uh, just on the field, and then it's going to be made more difficult if it's not funded adequately. Yeah, I think there's going to have to be a, a look at how things are done that way. Um, you know, I can only speak from experience with, with you know, when when our staff had the ability uh, kind of in a similar time after the Jimmer year, uh, you know, Coach Rose got a couple of major schools offering jobs um, and for considerable considerable raise for everybody. Um I mean, I think we could have probably gotten a raise for, uh, you know, and, and perhaps uh, hired somebody to park our cars if we wanted to at the place we were going. Um, so it, it was pretty incredible what, what the offers looked like. Um, but, you know, I think Coach Rose took that as an opportunity to try to leverage some positive stuff for the program. And he took the tack that, hey, we'd love you to build a facility here. Um, you know, that we could have on campus because at that point we were still getting kicked out of the the PE gyms and stuff when we'd try to get extra shots up. <laughs> um, so, yes, I, I, it's got to be looked at and it's got to be, it, it's got to be differentiated when they take that step. Um, you know, they've, they've made a transition into independence and they had to do a lot of different things differently. And, yeah, they've got to get, They've got to get into this day and age where, um, you know, coaches are appreciated and paid what they're supposed to be paid. I mean, I I spent 12 years at BYU, and I think I made about a fifth of what my colleagues made up north. So I think that has to be something that you take into account. All right, now we need the Ute portion of your career. Where does the Rose Bowl rank on the Utah Athletic Department's list of accomplishments? Man, it's really awesome. Um, you know, for because I'm a basketball person, I would imagine that you know the national championships and both the uh, the NCAA, uh, the the Final Four that Coach Majerus went to, um, the Sugar Bowl has to be up there. Certainly, a lot of I mean, the women's gymnastic national championships are huge uh, for the school and created quite a following. But this one, you know, it, coming right now on the heels of everything that the program's been through, you know, I really do think that, um, I think it was Ben Anderson that tweeted out that uh, Kyle really should be studied for a master class in leadership after this year, dealing with everything he dealt with, um, continuing to keep that thing plugging along. And, you know, it was on the field stuff and it was off the field stuff and, you know, that stuff can get away from you really quickly. And then, you know, you lose to BYU, the thing could have really tumbled. So I think it's massive. I mean, everybody, every Utah fan that I talk to, I mean, they're, they're making their way to Pasadena. They understand the magnitude of this. And, um, you know, I, I think it's an awesome, awesome thing for for the university, you know, to be able to 
take part in the granddaddy of them all. I mean, we've all been watching it as long as we've lived. And so it's just really cool that, you know, what was it, 10, 12 years ago, the Pac-12 came calling and Utah negotiated their way through all that. Uh, everybody kind of wondered, will they ever be a player? And now they're they're playing in the Rose Bowl. So kudos, major kudos to Kyle Whittingham, one of my favorite people, uh, and, and his staff for what they got done and all those players for hanging together. Yep, well said, absolutely. Turning to the Jazz. Uh, sort of uh, riding the ship, but I don't know that the ship needed to be righted. I don't know that righted is a word, but you get the point. Uh, as far as, you know, the little mini slump that they went through, uh, I sort of uh, looked at it and thought, oh, man, these are dis- they're concerning losses. I didn't worry about them, using your words. I, I had them, I was concerned about them, and they were disconcerting, but at the same time, I'm not overly concerned because I think talent in this league wins, and over the course of the season, the regular season anyway, they'll be exactly where they're supposed to be. You guys see the Cleveland game or see pieces of the Cleveland game on uh, Sunday afternoon? Watched it, rewatched it, and then watched it again. Okay, so you've got it broken down. Mm-hmm. Um, I said prior to the, the Cleveland game, I thought the Boston game was probably as good as the Jazz have played. Um, and everybody, you know, hey, they gave up 130 points. Well, the offenses that night were both unbelievably good. Um, but I'm telling you, that Cleveland game really turned my head. I, I grabbed the the prep film, getting ready to watch. Cleveland, if you haven't watched them, I know you have three times, PK. But for those that haven't, I think that they may be one of the best teams in the league you haven't seen or heard of. And, and two guys stand out off their film, uh, Jared Allen, who is just really starting to, you know, come into his own, understand the league, and he's starting to dominate. And then Darius Garland, who I think is going to be a, he'll be a perennial all-star. But that was a really hard game. Sunday afternoon, I thought the Jazz uh, weathered a few storms. They got down, you know, and had to make a push to win the game late. Um, I thought that the, you know, the ball movement, again, was terrific. In the last four games, the Jazz have made uh, 19, 20, 27, and 23s. Um, and so, you know, early in the year, threes weren't falling, but they're finding different ways to still be good offensively, still be the number one team in the league offensively, shooting, you know, 30% from three. That number's quickly gone up to 36, and so is their offensive rating, which is, uh, way ahead of, I mean, five or six points ahead of the second place team, Golden State. So things are really starting to click for this team. Um, I'm starting to see that maybe even some of the frustrations early in the season individually are kind of going away. I see Donovan Mitchell smiling a lot out on the floor, which I like. Um, Rudy Gobert did not score in the first half and still had a major, major productive game, blocking shots, rebounding the ball at 20 rebounds. So little things that the team just kind of had to figure out how to learn. They're kind of starting to learn. Um, I've said all along, if they start making shots, look out. And I made the comment to Jake Sunday afternoon as things were really rolling against Cleveland, who was putting up a great effort. This is the type of team right here that could make it to the finals. You know, if they play like this, if everybody's playing for everybody else, and the effort's there, and they have the ability to shoot the ball like they're shooting it. Like, they've got 
they've got it what they need built there. So really exciting things going on with the Jazz right now. As good as they are, and they look they look good, and they look like they can be very good. How big is the gap between them and the Suns and them and the Warriors? Well, I want to see them play. Um, you know, I think that's what's beautiful about the NBA right now. It's another reason I think Cleveland's for real. They looked at the strength of schedule and it's number six. Um, everybody's playing, you know, different schedules and playing different people and some teams you haven't seen yet. Um, and really, those those come, it comes down. I, I think they're both really, really good. I think they're both going to be tough matchups for the Jazz. But I also believe that the Jazz are better for, you know, their offseason. Rudy Gay came in last game with no Hassan Whiteside. And he played that hybrid five to perfection. And so I, I think, you know, you, you think of last year and the Jazz and Phoenix and kind of Phoenix had our number. Um, Golden State certainly is playing great basketball and stuff. Curry's one of the greatest guys to ever shoot the basketball in history. But until they match up and we see, um, I don't really know, you know what the difference is between them. I know a couple of games here and there. Uh, but I, I really like where this Jazz team is, and I'm really excited to see when those when they play the te- those two teams because they, you know that'll give me a better idea of, of how they sit. So DJ doesn't think Donovan Mitchell is as good as Chris Paul. I do. What's your reaction? Right, like right this second. Yeah. Shocking, but I mean that's what he thinks. So I mean. Man, he's a basketball guy, as you know. Well, they're different players. I mean, it's kind of like people say, do you like DJ and PK? Well, I like them, but I like them for different reasons, you know. Um, your mistake Your mistake in answering this question was taking him seriously. <laughs> you screwed up. We wanted no, to see if you take the bait. I'm doing, it, I'm doing it a different way. I, okay. I know he's playing with me, so I'm going to play back. Okay. DJ's a conversationalist. He is. Um, you really don't if – you, if you have a, a, an appointment in 15 minutes, you really don't want to get caught talking to him on the way out the door. 30, but okay. Um, and then, you know, on certain days, PK can just make you feel like you're nothing. Uh, just the little glances he gives you. By certain days, you mean days that end in Y. Not Correct. true. You all mean everything to me. You're my guys. Um, the only time I actually, the only time I hear from him is when I have Stones concert tickets in uh, Vegas or access to a golf course. Let's put it that way. Not true. Not true. Not true. So yeah, but but I do have unique relationships with both. Um, I think informationally, DJ is about as good as it gets. Oh, yeah, he's something. Um, sarcasm level. Is off you know, the charts. Nearing him. a 101 for PK, which is really, it's New Jersey centric. <laughs> He's something. <laughs> I just think Mitchell's as good as Chris Paul. That's all. So we are at the end of the segment. But next week, Tim, when you come on, uh, we'll talk about the ever evolving priority of where you should take shots and why Chris Paul is the recipe for how the NBA needs to evolve. You and like pro- his mid-range? And if they're taking away dunks and threes, and you shoot what everybody else shoots at the mid-range, it's an ineffective shot. But if you're as automatic as Chris Paul, maybe we ought to double back and see how efficient that shot is. And if, uh, 
NBA guys, if you want to stick in the league, maybe you should take about 10,000 of those next summer. Yeah, Get yourself you on a Chris Paul trajectory. <laughs> I like it. You could play, you know, just turn, as you practice, you could turn Pointer Sisters automatic on in the gym. Sing And it. maybe that would subliminally. No, I'll let PK sing it. Okay. All right, we appreciate it. automatic. <laughs> that one. Tim Lacombe, not one of the Pointer sisters, but one of the Pointer's cousins, maybe. All right, thanks, Tim. Cousins, once removed. All All right, later. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Did you know one of the the brothers of the Pointer sisters was an NFL referee? I think you told me that. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, coming up. Question of the day for you Ute fans. Tim addressed it briefly. Best accomplishment in the history of the Utah Athletic Department. We will get to that next. Stay with us.